back to Basic Bible 101. Today we are going to do some traveling with Paul, who, if you recall in our last lesson, was named Saul, and then he had this encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. And this experience so changed Paul that he immediately began preaching. And he just told everybody he met about Jesus. Now, at first, the new believers were skeptical. They're not sure about his conversion or whether it's just a ploy to get them to reveal, like a double agent kind of thing, like reveal who all else is a Christian. But eventually they believe him and accept him. It's a good thing, too, because he does so much for the early churches. Uh, it's about this time, too, and I think we covered this in our last podcast, that Peter has this encounter, his vision of all of this food, unclean food, that, of course, Jews would not eat, pork and such, and yet the Lord, uh, the uh, message he gets from this um, vision is that he can go ahead and eat anything he wants. And so shortly after that, uh, he is called upon to go and uh, preach to some Gentiles and they accept Christ. And so now Peter has this dilemma of, oh my, the Gentiles too can become believers in in Jesus Christ and follow um, Christ. And so we have a situation now brewing among the the early Christians. They have some decisions to make. They have to decide whether, uh, you know, how much are they going to embrace the Jewish faith, which they, most of them have come out of, and how much are they going to establish is a requirement to be a follower of Christ. And, you know, since that day, churches have done the same thing all around the world many, many times. There's this question of how much do we adopt from the Old Testament and how much do we say, no, that was for a previous time. And this is all that's required of believers today. And Christians, many churches have a habit of adding to the things that are required to be a good Christian. And so because of that, it's important for us to look back and see how they resolved the disputes in the early church uh, over these things. Turn to um, Acts 11, and if you want to just kind of skim through verses um, 19 through 26, you'll see there that because of Stephen's persecution, remember we covered that a few weeks ago, Stephen, uh, when he was martyred, all the Christians started thinking, oh, we're in danger, we've got to uh, scatter. And so they went all uh, quite a ways away from Jerusalem, uh, as far north as Antioch. And Antioch is, if you've got one of your student Bible maps, you can look in the back and see that Antioch is quite far north from the Jerusalem area. You would have to look at... Um, Oh, like map 12 of the student Bible that shows where Antioch is. It's um, up almost to modern-day Turkey. And so, and some of them went uh, and settled on the um, island of Cyprus, which is right off the coast of the um, this area, the area of Israel. And so, we see that this the gospel is spread quite a ways. And once uh, Paul had made his profession of faith and tried to preach and was kind of given a little bit of a cold shoulder by the Christians. He went back home to Tarsus. That's where he's from. And while he was there, uh, the church saw all these uh, non-believers turning to God and they needed help. So they, they called Barnabas and they said, Barnabas, uh, you know, we're going to send you up to Antioch. And so Barnabas went up to Antioch and when he was there, 
decided he needed to go get Paul and get Paul to come help them. And so sure enough, it says that Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. So now we have a name for these believers of Christ. They are Christians. And it's from this time on that they are also referred to as the way, people of the way. Uh, so we see that the stage has been set that Paul and Barnabas are kind of buddies. And it isn't very long before these two, the church at Antioch, commission them to go to other places and uh, preach the gospel. Down at verse or chapter 12 of this uh, Acts, we see that um, the Christians in Jerusalem are suffering more and more persecution. In fact, James, who is one of the disciples, the brother of John, is put to death, and they seize Peter for preaching. And when they do, there is uh, great rejoicing among the people who don't like the Christians. But um, the, for the Christians, they just gather together and they start praying. Uh, and so during the night, Peter now Peter is... Um, seized during the Passover and if you remember that's the same way they did it with Jesus they grabbed him during the Passover and then um, held him and then did his trial and all of that during Holy Week well the same thing happens with Peter he is uh, captured and held at by many guards not just one but there was like one on either side of him one outside the building several outside the building just he is very well protected well in the night he's sleeping and he has now remember he's bound with chains on his arms and his legs and an angel appears to him and it just says Peter get up and get dressed so he does and the chains fall off of his wrists and his ankles and he is able to walk out and they just walk through these doors and then pretty soon they're out in the street and, and the angel leaves. And when the angel leaves, Peter sort of wakes up thinking that it's all been a dream, but he realizes he's free. And he doesn't know for sure what to do. So he thinks, well, I'm just going to go to Mary's house. She was the mother of John. And uh, maybe some of the disciples are still there. And sure enough, when he gets there, he knocks on the door and the slave girl answers. The servant girl, I'm sorry, not slave girl, servant girl answers. And she sees that it's Peter and she's so excited so she runs back to tell everybody but she didn't bother to unlock the door so Peter is still knocking away wondering when they're going to let him in and so they can't believe it they're they're just thrilled that he managed to escape but really he didn't escape the angel just led him out of the prison well he decides he's not going to go back and face the guards and all that he's going to go ahead and slip away quietly and find a place to hide and as a result the the guards uh they can't you know, with Jesus, they were able to make up this story about his body being stolen, and therefore the guards were not killed. Well, in this case, the guards are killed for not um, watching Peter close enough. That was the punishment for losing a prisoner, so it was pretty major. Now, while all of this is going on, we have King Herod, who's the one who's causing all this problem, uh, you know, sitting on his royal throne with his royal robes and pontificating about how wonderful he is and all that needs to be done. And the people just are so moved by his speech that they start saying, 
you must be a god. And of course, King Herod just sits back, well, possibly I am type thing. And because he took the glory to himself and uh, was just so prideful, the Lord caused worms to eat him. And so he died. So uh, just a lesson against pride. Be very careful because the Lord is not one to share his glory with anyone. Okay, uh, so now we get to chapter 13 in Acts, and this is where we first see uh, Paul and Barnabas uh, sent off. They're commissioned, and they're sent off to on a missionary journey, and they this is Paul's first missionary journey. If you have the student workbook or the leader's guide, you will find in there maps of Paul's missionary journeys. Uh, in the student guide, it's on page 22, and there are four... Uh, known uh, journeys of Paul. There may be more. There's suspicions that he might have gone to Spain. There's some other uh, questions of all the places he went. But these are the ones that are recorded rather in detail. And so look at the first missionary journey map. And if you want to take a highlighter and just trace along, you'll see that first they go down to the island of Cyprus. And they go through two two of the towns there. There's um, Salamis and there's uh, Paphos. And as they're going through, they are preaching the gospel. They have the opportunity to speak to the proconsul of um, uh, the area of Paphos. And uh, when they do, they find that, that the proconsul there has um, sort of a prophet, actually a false prophet, who uh, has been advising him. And he advises them, the proconsul, against Paul and Barnabas and Paul just turns to him and just gives him what for about you know who do you think you are type thing and then he says well because you um, are perverting the gospel um, now you are going to be blind and sure enough this false prophet who we is called bar Jesus uh, is struck blind and so because of this the proconsul is amazed and he believes uh, that, that Paul and Barnabas are telling the truth. He believes in, in Jesus. Okay, so from here we see that they travel, uh, take a boat on up into uh, the town of Perga. Now this is on the coastline, the bottom coastline of modern-day Turkey. And from here they begin preaching in the different towns that they enter. Uh, let's see. Um here it's in Perga that John Mark, who has accompanied them, he's just a young fella, um, decides that he's going to head back home. Uh, apparently he didn't like the, the traveling. And because of that, that kind of irritates Paul. And so he sort of has this where he's not real happy with John Mark for a while. Uh, that changes later on, but at this point he really is suspect of... Uh, you know, John Mark not, not being able to go with them, not willing to pay the price for the gospel or whatever. So they traveled north. They're going by foot up to uh, Pisidian, and there's another town up there that's Antioch. It's not the Antioch that they started from. It's an Antioch that's up in this general area where they're at in um, uh, what we would call modern-day Turkey in this area. And from here, they are invited to speak, and when they do, they... Um, talk about how Jesus forgives sins, and so the people are very intrigued. Now remember, they usually start by going into a Jewish synagogue, because they are Jews, and they're given the opportunity to speak, and when they do, they start claiming this is how Jesus 
uh, came up, you know, this is why Jesus came, and the, the Messiah has come, basically. And so as they're teaching, they are, um, the Jews that believe are very interested, and they want to know more. Those that don't believe are angry with them, and so what happens really in a lot of the towns is that they're chased out of town. And this happens in the very first town that they're chased out of. Uh, they just sort of shake the dust off their feet and head on to the next town. They go to Iconium. And here they're speaking in the Jewish temple. Quite a few people believed. But again, the non-believers caused this revolt. And uh, even though they were able to do many miracles here, and so many people believed, they saw the miracles and they believed, still the Jews decided they were going to have them stoned. And so Paul and Barnabas, you know, hightail it out of there. And they go on to Lystra and Derbe in Lyconia. And it's in Lystra that Paul is able to heal a crippled man. Well, the people are so astonished by this, they they start worshiping Paul and, and Barnabas. In fact, the, they have the guy, the priest at the local temple, go get some bulls so that they can sacrifice a sacrifice offering to them. And of course, Paul and Barnabas start, you know, they're just horrified at this. And they just say, no, no, we are not God. You know, we're co we've come to tell you the good news of God. And so... Uh, what happens then is the people are kind of confused. Well, anytime that happens, we have opportunity for discord. So sure enough, the Jews that were over in Iconium, that they had already uh, chased Paul and Barnabas out of town, now came to uh, Ly Lystra, and they kind of stir up the crowds there. And so the people uh, turn against Barnabas and Paul, they take Paul, they drag him outside the, the town, and they stone him, and they leave him for dead. But he was not dead. The believers come and kind of gather around him and help him up, and he walks back into town. And so, you know, so you've got to admire this man for his perseverance in the face of such trials. But the next day they leave, and they head on down the way to uh, Derby. And when they receive, when they get to Derby, they are well received. Um, they, the believers there just uh, hear the message and accept it readily. So, so through this time, they are able to, uh, you know, share the gospel to this di different places throughout this area, and then um, decide to return home. And so they trace, retrace their steps back through the different towns, encouraging the believers as they went along, and then they end up back in Antioch. So as a result of their journey, there were many believers, many new churches started, and uh, they were able to tell the Jewish believers back in Israel what had happened. But the church council, you know, that was considering what to do with these Gentile believers, since the Gentiles did not want to convert to Judaism, they just wanted to believe in Christ, there was some, some controversy back and forth. And so Paul defends the practice of letting the Greeks or non, you know, Gentiles not adopt Jewish practices. And um, as a result, the Jewish leaders eventually agree and say, okay, you're right, but we do want to require that they don't eat meat sacrificed to idols. And that, um, you know, there's a few things. He, he, they didn't require them to be circumcised, but they did require them to um, have a certain, just a couple of little details, not much at all. And so Paul agrees to this. And Paul is able to state at this time that Christ alone is enough for salvation. And so um, that is the message that Paul begins to preach everywhere he goes. Uh, Acts 15, turn to verse 21. I'm going to look at one little phrase here. 
Acts 15:21 it says, "For Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times, and it is read in the synagogues on every Sabbath." So we see that the early church um, was, you know, they people were well aware of what uh, Moses had told them that they were uh, not to eat idols. Uh, meat sacrificed to idols and that sort of thing so there are some things that that even the non-jews knew to be um, right and so they accepted those things okay so you can see how the early church settled their disagreements they came together and they considered what the word said and they talked it over and i think this is such a positive thing for churches today to consider and to imitate a lot of the ways that the early church uh, came to agreement regarding differences of opinion because these things really were just differences of opinion okay so paul while he is in jerusalem uh, determines that it's time for their next missionary journey and he wants to uh, he and Paul or ba Paul and Barnabas are going to go on this journey except that Barnabas wants to bring John Mark again but Paul because he got deserted on the last time doesn't want to bring him so they have this disagreement but Barnabas stands up for John Mark and so Barnabas and John Mark become a different missionary team and Paul instead takes with him Silas it's another of the believers and so they travel back up through Antioch remember the home church where they that it all started and then they go inland this time they cross what we would call the modern-day Turkey right up through the country as they're heading back up toward the Aegean the top the north part of the Aegean Sea uh, if you look on your map you'll see where that's at and you can trace it along they travel through Tarsus, which, if you recall, is Paul's home, and then native where he grew up, basically, and then uh, travel on up through the same towns of Derby, Lystra, Iconium, Antioch, as they had gone through before. And when they get to Lystra, they uh, Paul is introduced to a young man named Timothy, and Timothy becomes his disciple. Timothy is uh, a devoted believer. He believed because his mother was a strong uh, follower of of God, and when she heard the gospel, became a Christian, and so was his grandmother. But his father was uh, not a believer, and so we see that that. Timothy has a heart towards missions and so he joins um, Paul and Silas as they continue on this missionary journey. The reason Timothy is kind of of note is because later on when you see the books of 1st and 2nd Timothy that's who Paul's writing to. He's writing back to them. Now what we would, could do as we are covering the missionary journeys is talk about the different uh, books of the Bible uh, which were basically Paul's letters that he wrote at different places but I'm going to reserve that for our next lesson um, leaders who are leading this lesson uh, separate from the podcast may decide to just go ahead and stop and talk about some of the different letters as as they go through the places where Paul wrote the letter but for our purposes I would like to just get through the different trips and then we can reflect back on why he was writing what he did write to those different churches okay so we are in his second missionary journey he's gone up to the point where um, back to Lystra where he has met Timothy and Timothy and Silas and Paul then travel on from there and they pretty much travel through the north part of 
the you know coastline of the sea Aegean Sea and they end up over in Philippi and uh, some of the northern towns up there and uh, as they're up there there are quite a few people who accept the gospel in chapter 16 we see that Paul originally had hoped to go in a more westerly direction up through the center of uh, what we would call modern-day Turkey but the spirit just prevents that from happening and he sees the vision of a man in Macedonia saying come over here and so Macedonia is is really north of Greece modern-day Greece it's that whole area up uh, just the other side of the Aegean Sea to the east of the Aegean Sea and so they head that direction and they cross the sea and they travel up through a couple of towns ending up in Philippi and it's here that Paul heads down by the river he's trying to find a nice quiet place to pray and there are a group of women down there and the spirit just kind of prompts him to speak to them and so in the process uh, one of the women becomes a believer. Her name is Lydia. She is kind of known in uh, Christian circles as um, a strong Christian woman in that she um, was one of the first to accept it and shared the gospel with her entire household. And then her house became one of the, the first church in Philippi. So we tend to kind of refer to her as, um, you know, a, a, someone to admire in as far as women in the Bible go. Uh, she was... Uh, it says she's a trader of purple linen so apparently she has some kind of a business in trading fabrics and so but her heart is turned towards the gospel and then she just invites Paul and Barnabas to come I'm sorry Paul and Silas to come stay with her and at this time Timothy's with them as well okay so they're in Philippi and this strange event happens if you'll look down in verse six uh, chapter 16 verses 16 through 24 Paul is walking along and um, this strange slave girl comes up behind him and starts uh, shouting out listen to these guys they are servants of the Most High God which she's saying is true but it becomes annoying to Paul and his his team and so they kind of look back at her and well here I'll just read it once when we were going to the place of prayer we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. The girl followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. Okay, so we see that she was possessed. And uh, she is given this unique ability by her, the demon within her, that allows her to predict the future. And she's owned by some people who take advantage of her and uh, sell her uh, ability to do this to... Um, anybody who will pay you know they'll pay and then he, the owners of this poor slave girl made money um, having her prophesy for them okay so the owners now that she had doesn't have this spirit anymore are furious because they have lost their ability to make money off her and so they seize Paul and Silas and drag them into the marketplace to face the authorities and they're brought before the magistrates and they say these men are Jews they're throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice basically what they were uh, accusing Paul and Silas of is preaching a king other than Caesar and so that is worthy of 
uh, some reprimand and so they are beaten and then thrown into prison and while they are in this prison there's an earthquake turn to uh, Acts 16 and we are going to read this from verse 25 through 40 we see about midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and other prisoners were listening to them suddenly there was such a violent earthquake I do to be saved. So you can see that he just is so uh, overwhelmed by uh, their message and who they were that he wants to be saved too. So they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. And at the, that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. And then immediately he and his all his family were baptized. And the jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. Okay, we see what an amazing thing this, this is. Uh, but the weird thing is, is the next day when the magistrates uh, go to the jailer, um, the jailer says, release these men. And he tells Paul, um, they've ordered that you and Silas be released, and now you can leave. Go in peace. So... Paul says to the officers, they beat us publicly without a trial, even though we are Roman citizens and threw us into prison. And now do you want us to, to get rid of us quietly? No, let them come themselves and escort us out. So <laughs> you got to love this. Paul is taking full advantage of the fact that he's a Roman citizen and that there are laws and that they were broken in this situation. And so he wants his day in court. He wants to speak his uh, message. Uh, so then in chapter 30 or verse 38 it says the officers reported this to the magistrates and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens they were alarmed they came to appease them and escorted them from the prison requesting them to leave the city after Paul and Silas came out of the prison they went to Lydia's house where they met with the brothers and encouraged them and then they left okay so we see a wonderful way for them to have gotten out of prison it was all very good and in the meantime somebody else is a believer Okay, so they leave Philippi, uh, they pass through uh, a couple of other towns, uh, Apollonia, uh, Thessalon then on they get to Thessalonica. Okay, and here Paul preaches in the synagogue three consecutive weeks, they ask him to come back. Uh, but once again, the Jews get all riled up and they eventually start a riot against them. And so Paul and his crew move on to Berea. And it's in Berea that the people are open to Paul's message, much more so than others have been. And they search the scriptures to see that everything that Paul said was truthful. And that's a wise practice. And so we see here that uh, they didn't just accept by Paul's word, but, but really were able to see, yes, that Jesus is the fulfillment of uh, what the prophets had uh, promised. And so a new church springs up here. Uh, and once again, the... The Jews that don't agree with this and they want to get rid of Paul, um, they stir up the crowds. And so 
the Christians there then send Paul away. And so it, this happens over and over again. He goes into a town. He preaches. People hear it. They believe. And then those who, the, the Jews, the ones who don't want uh, Paul to succeed, then um, get all upset and insist that these people be driven out of town. And so they are. Okay, in this case, they just uh, send Paul away. Silas and Timothy stay on to make sure that the new believers are, um, have some sort of organization and some way to continue in their uh, beliefs. And so Paul goes on to Athens. Okay, now we must remember that Athens at this time is a major crossroads. It is a very intellectual city. They have the Acropolis that we've heard about. Perhaps if you've been to Greece or seen any pictures, you've seen the majestic halls where there was great debate. They spent a lot of their time considering different philosophy and they must have been very wealthy because they didn't appear that they had to work very much. But so Paul is there and he wa starts walking through the town and he notices these uh, idols on every corner and he sees one that says um, it's to the unknown God. These people were so religious that they even just in case they had missed one they set up a little idol to the unknown God. So Paul sees this and it gives them an idea. And he decides to start talking to the people around him about this unknown God. Uh, in the process, he is saying that whoever this unknown God is, I think I know who he is. In fact, if you will turn, we'll read this part in Acts 17, verse 22. We will see exactly what he says. It says, he says, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walk around and look carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. Now what you worship as sometimes something unknown, I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth and he determined the time set forth for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him though he is not far from each one of us for in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said we are his offspring. Okay so what a beautiful passage and we see that Paul is able to preach this to the people, to share this with them, and because they've been predisposed to believe that there is a God, they begin to want to hear more about it. He says, therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the div divine being is made of gold or silver or stone, an image made by man's design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent, for he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. Okay, so they hear about this and they're thinking, what is this resurrection of the dead? And they're quite curious about it. And so um, we want to hear more about this subject. So they invite Paul back to speak. And so he is given the opportunity to speak to these people based a little bit on what they already know. This is such a smart way to reach out to people who are unbelievers because you can tap into something that they do believe in, that they do know to be true. And so that's what uh, Paul was able to do here. And the response to, to his message is very positive. 
Um, okay, so Paul leaves Athens finally and ends up in Corinth. Uh, he finds once again a very receptive audience here and he stays for 18 months. He's working as a tent maker there while he's preaching. That was his what he did before he became a Christian. And so Silas and Timothy catch up with him here and he then from here writes the letter back to the church in Thessalonica. And so we are not going to cover that here, but just to let you know that, that when we do cover the book of Thessalonians, that's who he's looking back at and writing to, one of the churches that he had already visited on his first missionary journey. Okay, then in Corinth, while he's there, he develops a close friendship with two other tent makers, and they are Priscilla and Aquila. This couple um, just readily accept uh, the gospel and just are so moved they want to help Paul any way they can. And so they actually go with him on to Ephesus and start a new church there. So in the meantime, we have uh, Paul returning to Jerusalem, and then he goes back to the church in Antioch, which is his home church. Okay, we're going to stop here after the first two uh, journeys, and then in the next podcast, uh, we'll cover the next two. In the meantime, go ahead and finish reading the book of Acts, and if you have time, go ahead and start reading some of uh, Paul's letters, First and Second Corinthians and Galatians and in there. I know it's hard to have time, but I just believe the Lord will richly bless you if you will just give his word some time. Okay, as I say every time, thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. If you need more information, please visit our website at basicbible101.com. Be blessed.